0: And today we get to dive in to our second core value, the idea of vibrant community, vibrant community that we're real with each other to grow together, that we're real with each other to grow together. Now, I probably don't have to tell you the importance of community and connection and relationships. That's something I don't have to convince you of. But if I did, There is so much well-founded information in our world of the importance of relationships. That connection, relationships, and community with one another allows us to have less stress, to heal better, to actually promote healthy behaviors, and give our lives a greater sense of purpose. Having strong relationships has been shown to add years to our lives. And in fact, one study suggests that social relationships makes a bigger impact on avoiding early death than taking blood pressure medication, being exposed to air pollution. And in fact, one study suggests that not having social relationships has the same effect on our health and life as consistently smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That we are so important to one another that if we don't have that, If we don't have those deep personal relationships, we might as well go smoke the majority of a pack of cigarettes. Now, I don't know about you, I would much prefer to have relationships with other people. But the beautiful thing is is that this is something that the health and science community has been supporting for maybe the past 50 to 75 years. But it's something that God's Word, the Bible, has been saying ever since the beginning. That if we look in Genesis 2.18, we see that God is not new to knowing that we need community. If you're familiar with the creation account in the Bible, after each day it said good. God declares it good and good. But yet in Genesis 2.18, it says this. That the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Therefore, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Everything up until that point in creation had been declared good. The air, the skies, the sun, moon, stars, the plants, the animals, even Adam himself. And yet when faced with the reality of being alone, God declares that that is not good. Even in an environment where he had perfect relationship with everything around him, with nature, with himself, with God. He had a relationship with God that we can only dream of. And yet, he felt alone. And so God makes Eve, a helper, suitable for him. That word suitable in Hebrew means of the same substance. That there was a unity, there was a connection between Adam and Eve, the first human relationship. We need each other. We need community. We need connection. I love the way that the poet Maya Angelou puts it. She writes We need joy as we need air. And we need love as we need water. And we need each other as we need the earth we share. We need each other. We need relationships. But as much as the health and science communities, are our ourselves, and the Bible all affirm this need for community and connection, overwhelmingly we don't have it. We feel lonely, alone, disconnected. A 2019 Cigna study found that over 61% of American workers are lonely. Out of a survey only of 10,000 people, Sixty-one percent were lonely. And the pandemic, this disconnection, this social isolation and lockdown has only made it worse. Studies in April were done showing that between 33 and 47 percent of Americans are lonelier than they were at the beginning of this year. We feel alone. We feel disconnected. And in fact, the youngest of us, Generation Z, are set to be the loneliest generation on record. That the students that I get to work with week after week are alone, disconnected. Living in a world of the promise of connection online and instantaneous communication, they feel alone. So if we know this to be true, why then are we lifting up vibrant community? if we know it's something we need so much and yet fall short of, how are we actually going to put this into practice? Because it's not something that can just stay on a core values list on our website or maybe just be taught through in a sermon series. It actually has to impact our life. Because we need each other so much. We need community. God has designed us that way. And so it can't just stay a value on a page or in a sermon. It has to actually impact our lives. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk through what it means to live in vibrant community with each other. And we're going to talk to how to actually do it.
1: Because the stakes
0: are so high, we can't not. We have to have vibrant community. We need it. So let's dive in. Vibrant community, we're real with each other to grow together. What does it mean to be real with each other? What does it mean to actually interact with one another in a way that breaks down the walls, that takes off the mask that we put on every single day, even prior to the pandemic, the way we're supposed to act, the way we're supposed to think, the curated version of ourselves that we allow to be shown by the world? If we're going to have truly honest community and relationship with one another, then we have to be able to be real. But the problem is, is that so much of our life is fake. From the way we interact with one another to the images that we present to the world, we present a false, perfected, curated version of ourselves. In fact, it's so much worse for the youngest people among us. That teenagers feel so much societal pressure to present them, their best selves to the world that it turns into depression, to suicide. On a minor level, it turns to, to students and teenagers having multiple Instagram accounts. I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of a Rinsta versus a Finsta. RINSTA is the words real and Instagram pushed together. That this is where the students can present the best versions of themselves. That they painstakingly spend hours editing their photos to present the curated, perfected, nice image that they want to present to the world. And a finsta, as you might have guessed, is a fake insta. One that they keep private. Private. Sometimes for inappropriate purposes, but more often than not, to keep how they actually are private. Locked behind an account that they can present their silly, goofy, weird up phone shots of their chins. They keep this hidden behind, limited to a select group of friends that they can actually show who they really are. Isn't it telling that in an environment where we're longing for connection, we're trying to show our true selves, but we're afraid that when we do, we're going to be rejected, alone, and perhaps even lonelier than before. But friends, relationship the real relationship that we long for, the connection that we so desperately need is only possible if we're real. The Bible shows us to be true. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8 it says that we loved you so much. This is Paul and Timothy and Silas speaking to the church there. He says, we love you so much that we shared not only God's good news with you, but our lives too. That even Paul, the world's greatest missionary, knew the value of real relationships. It wasn't enough just to preach the good news of the gospel, but they shared life with one another. They knew what was going on, the difficulties, the hurts, the joy, the celebration. They shared their lives as well as the good news. And we must do the same if we're going to have those real relationships that we long for, that we need, we need to be real with each other. We have to actually be able to present who we really are, not who we want to be. Who God is making us to be, not who the world says we should be. We have to be real. We have to be able to bring our lives, the pain, our past, our hurts into real relationship With one another. Think about the closest relationships you have in your life. Maybe it's with a lifelong best friend, your spouse, a boyfriend or girlfriend, your children, whoever it may be. Think about why that relationship is so deep. It's through time spent with one another sharing life together and all that it throws at us. It's people who know who we really are. It's people that we can be real with. And if we have those relationships outside of the church, that's awesome. But here at our church, we must have those relationships too. This church, this place, has to be a place where we can bring our true selves. Where we can show who we really are and be honest about the difficulties, the faults, the hang-ups that we have. We have to start getting real. And it's not just me saying this or Paul saying this, but actually the first indication of the early church in Acts shows us so beautifully what real relationships look like. What real, authentic, honest relationship looks like. In Acts 2, 44-47, it says that all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's what community looks like. That's what real, vibrant community looks like. People who are choosing to not just live together during the good times, to share life together when things are easy, but when things are difficult, when people are in need, When our lives don't look like what we thought they would look like. But if we look in this verse, this real community, this real relationship doesn't happen by accident. Look again at how active they are in making this happen. They're together. They share life together. They go out of their way to sell property, to give possessions. They know the other people in their lives that are in need. They meet together they eat together, they praise God together. These are all actions. This sort of relationship, this real relationship that we need, then doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. Because it's the people that we have the deepest relationships with, the real relationships with, that see us, that we put the most work into. And we put the most work into the relationships because we can be real. And as we continue to live into those relationships, the realness and the authenticity grows. And so if we're going to be a church that lifts up vibrant community, it can't just stay on a page. We have to put in the work. But it is so worth it. If we put into the work living into real relationship with one another taking off the mask, hard as that may be, then it is going to be so worth it. My junior year of college, I got the opportunity to do a mud run. And if you're not familiar, a mud run is you run a race, but in the middle you have a lot of difficulties and obstacles and mud that you have to crawl through and a huge slide. It was a lot of fun. But I didn't figure out I was doing this until the day before. My, one of my roommates had signed up, him and some friends from back home in Phoenix, and we were down in Tucson about two hours south, and he had them all signed up for a couple weeks, and he was telling us about it. And then, of course, the day before, both of his friends get sick, and he turns to us and says, Hey, do you guys want to do it? And so without any planning, without any prepping, without any preparation... We find out the Friday before that Saturday race that we're going to go run a 5k with obstacles and mud and barbed wire and electrical shock. That was the weirdest part. You had to crawl through this mud and there were these tentacles that were shocking you the whole time. And it was a lot more difficult than I was imagining. Now, I, I was in pretty good shape. Like, the running wasn't too difficult. But the consistency of obstacle after obstacle after obstacle started to weigh on me. I started to slow down. I started to not enjoy it anymore. But the only thing that got me through was the community atmosphere. That everyone going through this race together, though complete strangers until the day, was encouraging one another, supporting one another. There were people at the end of each obstacle cheering the people going through the obstacle on. There were people helping each other over walls, making sure that everybody running the race that day finished, that they were encouraged, that they were supported. And if that sort of community and encouragement and mutual accountability can happen as something as simple as a mud race, then it better be happening at church. Because we're not just real with one another to grow in relationship with one another, important though that may be. The second part of this core value is so important. That we're real with each other for a purpose. We're real with each other to grow together. We grow in relationship with one another, but even more importantly, we grow in our relationship with God. And that's exactly what the Bible encourages us as the church to do. In Hebrews ten twenty four through 25, it says that, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Recently, maybe you've encountered this verse, somebody posting online or somebody talking Supporting their position about whether the church should be meeting or shouldn't be meeting, whether we should be meeting inside or online or wearing masks or not. And though that discussion is important, that's not the focus of what this verse is saying. It's on that first section that we meet with each other. We live life together. We share the realness of relationship with one another for a purpose so that we can spur one another on, that we can encourage one another in love and good deeds and deepen our relationship with God. That we're real with each other to promote growth in our faith. And this is something that we know to be true, right? If we meet somebody at work or a new acquaintance or a stranger comes up to us and starts telling us how to live our life, with not knowing our past, who we are, or the choices that we're making, we're not going to listen to them. We're going to think they're rude and inconsiderate. We're not going to put their advice into practice, even if it's good advice. But if someone that we have a strong relationship with, a real relationship with, begins to tell us in love and encouragement that we need to change. That our relationship with God isn't where it should be. That maybe we have some sin in our life that's preventing us from joining deeper with God. If we have a real relationship with them, then we're going to listen to them. The impact that that other person is going to have on our life is going to be profound. It's going to actually promote change. If you joined us last week, Matt was talking about a problem that it's so difficult to actually promote behavioral change. That especially with our faith, even though we long to have a deeper relationship with God, to have a deeper prayer life, to consistently come to church, to join a community group, to have spiritual disciplines, whatever that step is, that it is exceptionally difficult to just grit our teeth and start doing it. Or even harder, if it's a habit that we have or a sin that we keep falling into, or something that we know we shouldn't be doing and yet we continue to do it over and over again. It is not enough for us to just decide and try to be better. We need other people. Because communities create change. The relationships that we have realize renewal. And it's the groups that we have on our life that give rise to growth. We cannot do it alone. And as much as that may struggle, might be a struggle to us or difficult in our minds, in this American culture of rugged individualism, where we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and grin and bear it and make our lives better, God never envisioned us to live the Christian life alone. It was never God's intention for us to be a lone warrior Christian out there trying to make our lives better, to live for God. It was always God's intention for us to live in community with one another. It's not good for a person to be alone. Because we know that in relationship, we can get the thing that we're looking for, accountability. That we can't follow God alone because too often we slip up, we fall short. We try following God and His leading. We try listening to the Holy Spirit. But inevitably, time after time and again, we fall short. We feel shame. We feel guilt. We wonder where God is. When we're praying to him. We need each other to provide that accountability and support and encouragement that we need. This is something that the outside world, the secular world, so knows to be true. This is why personal training is such a popular and well-funded industry. This is why support groups like AA or Narcotics Anonymous or even Self-Help Books are so popular because they provide that accountability. Another source, another person, another group of people to support us and encourage us. This is even why posting your progress on social media when you're working on a diet or trying to pick up a new habit is helpful because you have those people that see your posts that can encourage you, that you feel that accountability from people online And so if the world knows this, then the church should be the best at this. This is one of the reasons why we gather together, why it's important to have vibrant community. Because if we're going to grow deeper in our faith, if we're going to be more in tune with the Spirit's leading, if we're going to seek those spiritual disciplines of prayer, of meditation, of scripture reading, then we cannot do it alone. We need that person to encourage us, to spur us on. The word in the Greek comes from the same idea of a strong disagreement. That this idea of encouragement is this strong, forceful encouragement that maybe removes us out of the blinders that we have, takes us out of the sin that we're falling into over and over again, and provides that support that we so desperately need we have to be real so that we can develop those relationships and grow in love towards each other so that we can grow in love and relationship with God that's why we meet that's why we gather that's why we develop relationships and live in community with one another so we have those real and honest relationships We have accountability and support and encouragement. We have vibrant community. But the beautiful thing about this vibrant community is it's not just something done by the church for the benefit of the church to build us up. That this vibrant community actually has an impact on the people around us. The people just starting their journey of faith. The people who haven't yet met our Lord and Savior Jesus. The people that are far from that. At the end of that verse in Acts, this vibrant community says that they were glad and sincere hearts with one another. That they praised God and what? That they enjoyed the favor of all the people. That their community wasn't just for them, wasn't just supporting them, encouraging them and all internal but that the community that they lived in relationship with one another had an external influence. It shaped the way that other people viewed God. And so that's why I love that we haven't chosen a verse to support the idea of an internal community, but that our connected verse to this core value is all focused on what happens when we live in community. In John thirteen thirty four through 35 Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's beginning to tell them that he's not going to be with them forever. That he's actually been sent to die. And in that conversation that they're having, he says this. A new command I give to you. Love one another. For as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. By this, by the way that we love one another, by the way that we live in relationship and community with one another, this is how the world knows that we are followers of Jesus. It's not the things we say, It's not coming to this place on a Sunday or watching this service online. It's how we love each other. That Jesus so rightly knew that if we live in community and love in relationship with one another, that actually impacted not only our behaviors, but the way that we live our life, that it was going to make an impact on people looking in. On people wondering if the claims that we make are true. People wondering if Jesus really was who he says he was. People trying to figure out if they're going to choose to follow Jesus. That our relationship, our community is not just for us or done by us. But it's for other people. That vibrant community is not just creating accountability or relationship. That ultimately the goal is missional, evangelistic. That as we continue to love and grow and deepen in relationship with one another, it has an impact on the people around us. Because they're looking for that kind of relationship too. We offer something so beautiful, so needed, especially now. To the people in the world who feel alone, who feel forgotten, who feel pushed aside. But it's only going to make that impact if we can love each other well. And the sad thing is, is that though we often lift up community and relationship as these things that we're striving after, we as followers of Jesus don't live up to the ideals that we present. Despite longing to live in relationship, we start gossiping the things that were told to us in confidence, tearing down the walls that have been built up. We take what was given to us in a real and honest moment and spread it with the world so that that person feels like they have to hide again. We look down on other people for the way that they follow God, for the way that they worship, for the music that they choose to listen to, for the way that they live their life, for the way that they vote. As much as we long to love each other well, we often fall far short. But there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness for us in the ways that we love one another because we have a God has shown us what real love looks like it doesn't look like abandoning us when we mess up it doesn't look like pushing other people down what it looks like is jesus on a cross dying for his friends and we as his followers have to do the same We have to be willing to take the step of faith to be real in the first place. We have to allow other people to speak into our lives to encourage us, to spur us on towards deeper relationship with God. Because the world is watching. The world is wondering whether the truth that we proclaim is actually something that's going to impact our lives. Whether the words that we say when we're gathered together on a Sunday impact the choices that we make on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I love the way that the theologian Francis Schaeffer talks about this verse. He says that our relationship with each other is the criterion that the world uses to judge whether or not our message is truthful. Our community then is the final apologetic. That there are people out there right now, maybe people watching online for the first time, that are looking if the words that we say actually affect our lives. That we don't just lift up community as something we say we value, but we actually live into valuing it in the choices that we make, in the relationships that we have With one another. Because Jesus has told us. He's shown us what love looks like love that is pure, that is complete, that is sacrificial. Love that we didn't do anything to deserve. We must show that love to one another. And if we do, imagine what could start to happen if all of us in this place or watching online or call this church our home were to actually decide to be real with one another? The transformation, the breakthroughs that would happen. What if we decided to actually start living in relationship with one another? The transformation that would happen, the support that we would have, the encouragement that we would have from one another what if we actually started to view how we interact with each other as a way to show the love of God to the world? So as the band comes forward, I encourage us to not just imagine what it would look like, to not just let it stay in our minds right now, but to transition into our hearts and our hands and our actions that we would choose community Choose a community that is vibrant, that is real with one another, seeking to grow deeper in relationship with God. Because if we do, it could change things dramatically. People that don't yet know God would come to know God. We would strengthen our relationships with God. And life as we know it would be different. And so choose community. It's no coincidence that we put this message in the beginning of our community group signups. And I don't just say that because it's something that I'm in charge of. I say that because it gives us an opportunity to actually practice the vibrant community, the real relationships, to grow in relationship with each other so that we can support and encourage one another to grow in faith. That as we gather together in this one place, we're sent out into our smaller communities and neighborhoods to impact them for Christ. And so maybe you've been on the fence, maybe you don't feel like you're ready, maybe you're scared of being real. I encourage you to sign up anyway. To actually call us on it, to say, if you're going to lift up community, I want to see what it looks like. I encouraged our community group leaders at a meeting that we had before sign ups. That this year we need community more than ever. That it can't just stay on a page, on a website, but it actually has to be something that we live in. And so I pray that each one of us would be real. That we would find people in this place that we can be honest with each other. That we can encourage one another and that we can change this community, this city, this country, this world, with the transforming love of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this place and allowing us to gather together. And we thank you that you've shown us what love looks like. That you haven't just left us to figure it out on our own, but you've shown us what love looks like. By coming down from heaven, living a perfect life, and dying in our place, God. And so at first, if there's anybody in this place or watching online, God, that doesn't yet know you, that hasn't yet accepted that free gift of salvation, that they would in this moment say, God, I know I messed up. I know I've fallen short, but I know that you died in my place. And God, I accept that free gift of salvation. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to live in community. And for the rest of us, God, that we wouldn't just let this sermon stay stuck on this Sunday, God. But it would actually impact the way that we live our life day to day. That we would be real with each other to grow together. God, help us do that more and more. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
1: Hey, this is Matt Wolf again, a lead pastor of Stapleton Church. If you have benefited at all from our ministry today, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, subscribe. Subscribe on whatever device you're using so that you can make sure that you get our messages and services every single week. The second thing I want to do is I want to get to know you. There are some people that have been joining us online this summer in the pandemic, and I still haven't had a chance to get to know you, and I care about you. I love you. I want to be your pastor. So if you could, fill out the form at stapletonchurch.com new, and I want to reach out to you personally to get to know you. Please do that. And the third thing is to give. If you have benefited from our ministry, if we have helped you take a step in your journey to follow after Jesus, please go to stapletonchurch.com and set up a recurring gift to our church so that it would not only support our ministry, but our ministry around the world. So that you would be helped to follow Jesus and other people would be helped to follow Jesus so we can multiply our effectiveness in this world. Please go to stapletonchurch.com and I will see you next week.